Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Miriam Knight, and our guest today is Jean Adrian. Jean is an author, radio show host, world traveler, and entrepreneur, and soon-to-be television show host. She's the developer of a coaching and therapy process called Inner Speak, and her books include Power Tools, Reframe Your World, Conscious Living in the New Reality, and Soul Adventures. Today, we are going to discuss her new book, Realities of Creation, of which she is the lead author. Welcome, Jean. Well, thank you, Miriam. I am so happy to be with you today. And I am so happy to have you. I know we're going to have fun because we always do. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. Now, your book, Realities of Creation, has nine essays from different authors writing about different aspects of the human experience and how our realities get created. I understand that you brought these gals together for a conference. What was the inspiration to do so? Well, you know, it was just one of those little glimmers in my eye, uh, I guess. I had no earthly idea that it would end up being a book. But it occurred to me that my passion is conscious creation, and I knew a bunch of other women who were also passionate about conscious creation. And so I thought, well, let's just come together and we'll do a telesummit, and each of you can share from your particular viewpoint and your area of expertise with the listeners, and we're going to make this thing perfectly free for everyone who wants to listen in. And each of you also has to give away a free gift to, you know, to urge people to listen. And that's how it started two years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was such a success, the first webinar that we did, that we did a second one the following February. And out of that one, I thought, wow, there's a bunch of great material here. How about each of you writes a chapter and let's just make a book out of it. And you know what? We'll just e-publish it on Amazon. You know, it won't cost us anything. It will be no big deal, right? Mm-hmm. And we did. And I don't know if it's the power of nine, but or just that many people working together with a common idea and a common goal. But lo and behold, our book, rather than being e-published on Amazon, was actually picked up by a fairly prominent mainstream literary uh, publisher. And here it is. The book was released this past Saturday, uh, May the 1st. Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, Godspeed to the book. Mercury speed. (laughs) Mercury speed. Yes, ma'am. You know, because, you know, really, we had no earthly idea consciously, even though it was all about conscious creation, that this would end up actually being published. Mm -hmm. Who published it in the end? Uh, it's Rainbow Ridge, which, uh, oh, the they're in Charlottesville. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and he just published Neil Donald Walsh's latest book, mm-hmm. um, and Lynn Andrews's latest book. So we're, I think we're in some pretty high powered company. Bob Friedman is a great publisher. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. He's done a super job on this book. Great. Now, your topic in the book, um, has all to do with using DNA to create. This was really kind of a revelation for me. How did you come to realize that DNA was actually able to be affected by our thoughts and um, help us with conscious creation? Well, you know, one day in meditation, I was guided that, you know, to look at the structure of the universe and 
this is a holographic universe. You know, even back in the ancient Emerald Tablets day, Thoth said, as above, so below. So because it's a holographic universe, then everything is a reflection of the larger component. So if I have a soul, then it stands to reason that every aspect of me, i.e. all my cells, my organs and glands, have a soul as well. And then they probably, each one has their own purpose for being. And if you look at the example of the organs and glands within the body, um, you know, each of your organs and glands, they help you to stay alive, but they've got their own purpose for being. And so, you know, that just sort of reinforces this idea of the holographic universe. So I took it a step further and I thought, hmm, well, if I have a soul, then every cell of my body must have a soul. And then within the cell, the DNA, well, that must have a soul as well. And so I started by doing conscious work with the cells of my body. And I would go into meditation and I would ask the cells of my body to, uh, when they replicated, to replicate back to their own divine blueprint. And I was first working with the skin because that's the largest organ of the body and also the place where I could see the results the fastest. Mm -hmm. And so I asked the cells of my skin to reproduce every time they reproduce free from blemishes and wrinkles and you know outward signs of aging and that kind of thing and i began to see results within a month my skin was looking better my wrinkles were going away and i'm like okay i think i'm onto something here <laughs> and so um i you know I, I worked at it at a deeper level and then you know i am a channel and so, uh, that one's, at one point, uh, I was channeling and I received information about DNA, uh, you know, and, and I was told that, um, our DNA is, uh, multidimensional as well. Again, it's that holographic universe thing, you know, and, um, that at one point we actually as humans, in our species had access to 144 strands of DNA and not just two. And so my, my guides, big difference. Yeah. My guides charged me at that point with, um, creating drawings that would hold the energy of latent strands of DNA so that anyone who wanted to could use their attention and intention to locate and activate these latent strands of DNA. And from that, uh, I created a deck of cards that, you know, they're the reconnect, reconnecting soul deck of cards and they've been available on Amazon. They sell pretty well out there. So, um, you know, that's pretty good. And I think it's worked with a lot of different people to assist them in growing their consciousness and being more responsible in creating what they want in their lives. So that's what tapped me into the aspect of DNA being more than what we thought it was. And again, I started working with it with, you know, with my conscious intention of asking my DNA, in fact, all the layers of DNA and in all the dimensions where I express myself to align with me in creating the things I desired. And then voila, things started happening in my reality much faster. 
um, much more positively. Uh, and I was getting more of the things that I desired and less of the things that I didn't want. So how intensive a practice is this? Is this something that you do every day? How do you actually do it? Um, you know, I don't do it every day. How do you have a conversation with your DNA? You do it with your attention and your intention. And it's just as simple as stating the words, Miriam. You know, I think that for too many years we thought that spiritual practices had to be really complex and had to involve a lot of ceremony, you know, and uh, bending over three times, turning around, touching your toes, touching the tip of your nose, and then repeating (laughs) after me lots and lots of blah, blah, blah. And what I find is that it's much more effective if you just state what you want and state it clearly Mm. and, you know, and ask that something or somebody or whatever your target is pays attention to you and aligns with you. And so an example might be, um, what's something that you'd like to create in your life? Um, abundance. All right. So then just ask, and you can do this in your head or you can do it out loud. I find that it's much more effective if I do it out loud. Sometimes I even sing my requests to, you know, get higher energy and frequency involved in it. But just ask and intend that all of the layers of DNA in every dimension where you express yourself align with you in manifesting abundance in your life? And then more specifically, what kind of abundance do you want? Mm -hmm. Do you want abundant love? Do you want abundant money? Do you want abundant joy? So tell your DNA what you want and get really specific about it. Um, I've got two questions competing for coming out. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) One is... um, uh, how do emotions uh, affect the the uh, sort of impetus of our request? Well, emotion is the fuel for conscious creation. It's almost like the gasoline you put in your car mm-hmm. and that keeps the car running. So the more excited you are, the more energy that you put behind your requests, the uh, the more likely you are to actually get it. And how I discovered that is kind of I backed into it. Have you ever noticed that the things that you think during a time of traumatic experience or drama in your life um, are the things that seem to actually manifest? So, you know, intense emotion, whether it's negative or positive, Absolutely. is a very positive is a very strong fuel. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of times if you're really angry and you're yelling and screaming about all the stuff you don't want in your life, then lo and behold, you end up manifesting more of that same stuff. Yeah. So the other side of that then is to get really happy and filled with joy and use that energy. And a really good way to do that is to just kind of get still and quiet and think about a time when you were really, really happy, filled with joy, a mountaintop experience, and tap into the energy of that. Mm-hmm. And let that big smile, you know, just <laughs> come across your face from whatever that was. Jean, just before we go on, 
What is your website? My website is jeanadrian.com. That's J-E-A-N-A-D-R-I-E-N-N-E.com. And I also have another website for the book and for the Telesummit that um, is realitiesofcreation.com. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. So, Jean, before the break, we were talking about using emotion to actually get through our message to the DNA. Now, what I was going to ask is, is the, what is the difference between the soul and DNA? Mm. Well, the soul is that everlasting uh, aspect of each of us that is a unique reflection of source. Mm -hmm. And the DNA is a component of both the physical and the etheric aspect of the soul. You know, we're not our bodies. I think that we all, by this point in our life, understand that. You know, for many, many years, I think we all very heavily identified with our physical vessels. But now we realize that, you know, the soul's different. But the, the, the body is the physical component, and so there's physical DNA within each cell of the body. Um, but there's sort of also, like a, a radio receiver. Yeah, exactly. But there's also um, etheric DNA that is in our etheric bodies, our emotional body, our mental body, and our spiritual body here in this dimension. But we also have etheric DNA in every dimension where we express ourselves, and we are multidimensional beings. I'm not sure how many dimensions uh, we exist in. There probably is a finite number, and the number that seems to come up more often than not within sacred geom- geometry is 144. So just, you know, for grins and giggles, let's say that we have 144 aspects of us in existence. But we're all part of some sort of unique um, place mm-hmm. in the divine mind, in the universal uh, component that is the expression of all that is. And, you know, each of us has that responsibility for um, modeling whatever it is that is our unique essence um, to the rest of, of reality. When you talk about 144 sort of possible uh, dimensions. Mm-hmm. You also mention uh, that as the number of original DNA strands. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have the most uh, original uh, perception of how we went down from 144 to 2 uh, with our generosity in interbreeding with an alien race, yes. a star race. Um, I think we won't go into that, but leave that as a little intriguing tidbit for our readers to impel them to get the book. Yeah, the story's there. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, if, if, if the DNA is, is our connection to the universal mind, mm-hmm. um, what is the way that um, we evolve um, 
who orchestrates it? I mean, why why did we lose the connection in the first place? I know in one of the chapters, Maureen talks about, I think it's Maureen, you have so many good author, authors in there. They talk about our intentionally um, blocking out our connection to the universal mind so that we could sort of settle into our physical manifestation. Mm-hmm. And then we have to turn around and try and reestablish that connection again. I mean, it seems a little um, uh, almost like busy make work. So what is the point of, of forgetting it in the first place? What have we gained by blocking that out, and what will we gain by regaining that connection? Okay. Uh, again, this is gospel according to Jean. Take what you want and leave the rest. But, you know, when we are in spirit, when we are, you know, in inside that connection, then all there really is is love, you know? I mean, it, it's just, um, and and again, that that's what I think. Um, but, we differentiate out into expressions and dimensions. We come into incarnation. We take on in this, in the earthly plane, we take on these bodies, you know, and we come here and quite frankly, all the soul really wants is more information. I truly believe that our souls are trying to add to all of the information that is contained within the divine mind that, you know, we're, we're out exploring the universes, uh, and trying to gather more information mm-hmm. and we bring it in. We, we, um, we store it in our DNA. We transmit it into the divine mind. We give more access to other souls, um, you know, through that. And we're just little information gathering vehicles. Well, no, there's another dimension. Um, we're all, we're, we're creator beings. And Mm -hmm. if, if we already had the, the, the universal perspective, we probably would be complacent. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why I think we, um, we block it out until we don't need to block it out anymore. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, maybe that's called ascension. You know, uh, uh, maybe that's just an awakening. But when we do get to this place where we are much more standing in our power, we understand our truth, we've got a better grasp on why we might possibly be here, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. then we actually begin to open up more and more to that connection. Right. We've got a lot more access at that point. In your perspective, do you believe that there is a major awakening of consciousness happening at this time? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, and, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that everybody who is alive on this planet today, you know, coughed up all of their big bucks and said, you know, put me in coach and here's my payment because I really <laughs> want to be here right now. Um, because I, I believe that this is the time that we signed up for at that point where souls were first differentiated, where spirit decided it wanted to understand more about itself and said, okay, well, let me just make a whole army of myself to go out and, and see what I really am. Mm-hmm. 
you know, because, you know, I don't know who I am unless you show that to me. You reflect that back to me. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's probably how it all got started, but heck, who knows? Um, but I know that we are, we're, we're absolutely creators in this game, um, or co-creators, depending on what your perspective is. Um, and that we, you know, we're exploring and expanding our consciousness. And as we do that, because we are all one, everybody's doing it. And, you know, throw into that mix the fact that we've just got some amazing energy that's coming onto the planet. You know, we're passing through the photon belt and we've got these amazing um, eruptions from our our sun, you know, that are casting light on planet Earth, raising the vibration of the planet higher than it's been in our consciousness and our history, you know. And so wonderful things are happening. I wonder if what is happening on the political and social scene, all the turmoil around the world, whether what is the part that that's playing in all of this? Is it a reaction? Is it the sort of of death grip of the old order? Uh, I think that that's think? part of it. I definitely think that's part of it. Because, you know, um, part of the ego aspect of the human species is that it doesn't like change, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, if you, if you ever watched a small child, little children don't like change, you know, they don't want you messing with their toys. And, and when you try to change things with a little child, if you do it abruptly, they push back. And so if you look at the, um, the powers that have been, the, you know, the oligarchy, if you will, or, um, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, they're seeing threat to what they have believed to be, you know, their power and their right. Mm-hmm. And they don't like that. And so they push back just like a little child. So things are shifting and I think they're shifting for the better. Um, but, uh, you know, it's going to take a while for everybody to get used to the fact that the rules are changing. One of the aspects of the book that I found most intriguing is the repeating theme of the power of one's choice. Mm. And that, that has a couple of aspects because one is to actually convince yourself that you do have the power to change things. Uh, I mean, one of, one of the kind of dynamic tensions that we see playing out is, as we mentioned earlier, the, the old order versus the, the young, uh, optimists and, and activists. Um, and people are resisting change out of fear mm-hmm. because they don't know what, what will come. But change is just such an, integral part of the human condition. Well, it is. It is. And, you know, I think we started talking, and I don't remember exactly when, but let's just say 10 or 15 years ago, about the role of the new kids today, the indigo children. I think Mm -hmm. maybe Lee Carroll uh, and Jan Tober were some of the first to predict that 
there was a new species coming onto this planet and it was going to turn things upside down. And then um, I think Doreen Virtue, you know, she wrote a book about it as well. And so that was the big, that was a big conversation for a long time was about the indigo kids and why are they here? And they're here to shake things up. Well, I think we're actually beginning to see absolute manifestation of that now uh, because the uh, the 20-somethings mm-hmm. are really yeah. wanting everything. Now, Jean, before the break, we were talking about the impact of the millennials at this time. How do we give them the best support that we can to nurture them, to let them drive the changes that we need? You know, I think that by providing them with the information that they need is the biggest thing we can do for them. You know, nobody really gave me a playbook when I was coming up, you know, 60 plus Mm -hmm. years ago. Um, And had I had a, a clearer understanding of how how reality really works outside the uh, you know the traditional judeo christian spiritual um stuff that was yeah. handed out back in those days uh you know i might have gotten to where i've gotten to now much quicker but you know then again maybe not and i believe that everything happens when it's supposed to and in always in perfect order however by supporting these kids um, with as much information about what reality really is, you know, we give them the clues to help them with their conscious creations. And uh, I think that's probably one of the best things we can do for them. That's a great comment. Uh, I really believe you're, you're spot on there. Now, several of the chapters talk about one's life or soul purpose. Do you think this is set in stone or, or set in the stars, or is it still malleable? You know, I believe it's almost kind of like the old Chinese menu story, one from column A and two from column B kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that before we incarnate, we do uh, decide what sort of life lesson that we want to learn in that incarnation. And it's usually not um, the stuff of what we want to do, um, but more so what aspect of reality we'd like to master, which is more about being. You know, we are human beings after all. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not so much, I don't think, that, you know, we incarnate with the thought, well, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to create a healing modality and write a bunch of books. Rather, um, I think that my sole purpose for me was to come in here and understand the definition of soul. You know, how, do, how does one, um, how does one know where one begins and another one ends? Uh, how does one, uh, learn about boundaries? I think that was maybe a lot of my sole purpose. Um, and then, as I work through that, then a lot of the things that are in alignment with my truth, I'm able to then also do. That's the column B stuff. You know, so yeah, once I got in alignment with who I really was, where do I start? Where do others stop? Then I was able to begin to, um, 
open a channel and to receive a healing modality and to start working with other people. And I couldn't have worked with other people when I was living, you know, in a codependent way. And I had to, I had to get through that, uh, so that I, you know, knew, um, what were my responsibilities and what were other people's responsibilities and that I couldn't take responsibility for the healing and the growth of my clients. They had to do that for themselves because I wouldn't have been a very good therapist, would I? Mm-hmm. You know, so I, that's why I think that, you know, it's a moving target and it does evolve, but there probably is one or two, um, there's probably just one thread that runs through all of it. And there might also be another common thread that runs through each person's sole purpose path. But we do a lot of things um, as we get more comfortable being who we are as far as mastery is concerned. Mm-hmm. On the, the idea of a sole purpose path... Oh my goodness, there's a doggy. Sorry. <laughs> um, it's a bit like, you know, sometimes you feel that your life is like a drunkard's walk, that you have a general destination and then you make so many zigs and zags. But um, when you look back on your life, you are then able to see in retrospect how each of the elements in your life kind of got you that bit closer to to the 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 point of uh, culmination the the point of really self actualization uh, yeah and you know that i think that that's one of the reasons why so many of us write uh our memoirs mhm you know i mean uh to connect I, the dots really yeah exactly um because a lot of times until you really uh, sit down and look at how far you've come and what you've done, um, you, you, know, you don't really, uh, you don't, you, you, most of the time you're just existing. You're moving, you know, putting one foot in front of the other, and you don't uh, really take the time to understand exactly what the impact of your being has been. That is one annoyed little puppy. Oh, there's a UPS man who's making a delivery to me. Yeah. <laughs> So I really apologize for that. That was just an unforeseen circumstance. I hope you don't have to apologize to the UPS man. And, well, the dog's inside and he's oh, outside. <laughs> so um, what are, are some of the practices that are suggested in the book, you know, for particularly for connecting with your higher self? Um, what have you found the best way in your practice to do so? Well, first I want to say that, you know, that's one of the beauties of having nine different authors to share their points of view because each one of them gives the reader a different, uh, a different way to look, you know, mm-hmm. at connection. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, you read the book and you come away with nine different ideas. And then from that, you might choose to use one or two or combine and come up with your own. So to me, that's really a beautiful gift that came out of this book. Um, for me, uh, it's quiet. And I know you might find that hard to believe since I have such a noisy <laughs> dog. But uh, I live on top of a mountain and, uh, you know, I, I can choose to not uh, be involved with 
other people, um, except for the occasional UPS driver. Um, and in the quiet, I can ask my questions of the universe and then I write, uh, you know, and that's how I've managed to crank out four books and two decks of cards as well is because I love to write, but that's how I receive my best information is by getting quiet and, um, writing what I'm hearing inside my head and inside my heart. But, you know, each of the other authors do it differently. One of them receives some of her best information in her dreams. She's a dream expert and she's gotten really good in her lifetime of waking up, journaling her dreams and then um, looking at the information that came through to her in the dream state. Mm-hmm. Another one uh, is really good at tapping into her heart center and um, and listening to what her heart is trying to tell her versus what her mind might be saying. Right. You know, and, and yet another one um, is an animal communicator, and she's lived with wolves. And she gets her best information from the wolves, but also from lots of other nature spirits uh, in that. Uh, but, but she's very, very adept in listening to the, um, I don't exactly know how she describes it, um, but it's the oversoul mm-hmm. of the wolf um, on planet Earth. And they all talk to her. You know, so um, those are just a few. The book is almost a representation of that parable of the uh, blind men and the elephant, mm-hmm. where each one uh, is feeling into the body of the elephant, in this case, the nature of reality and creation, and uh, intuiting uh, from their uh, breadth of perspective um, what it feels like, how you interact with it, and and it is valid for anyone accessing reality through that particular niche or, or crack. Absolutely. And, you know, and the thing that I think is so important, Miriam, is that each of us must do this. You know, for anybody to give away their power to somebody else to say that their way is the right way, you know, is exactly that. It's giving up your power. And, you know, I really think that what is so important for each of us to do, I mean, really incumbent upon each of us to do in the now space is to find our truth by ourselves, not because some guru told me this or I read it in a book or I took this self-help class or whatever, but that I actually took the time to figure out what, who I am, what I am, uh, what's important to me. And based on that, you know, this is how I want to live going forward. And this is how I want to create. That is so important and very closely allied to finding your passion. Mm-hmm. When you, when you know who you are, then you have a much better ability to, um, find out what you are comfortable or or passionate about creating and bringing into the world. Absolutely. And you know what? When you find that, there's an awful lot of power behind that. And the universe supports you 
in doing whatever that passion is. And that's really when people are able to step into prosperity, wealth, and abundance because Mm -hmm. the universe is so supportive of the person who has done their homework and has actually gotten in alignment with their passion, you know, and then, wow, it's just almost like everything seems to line up for them. And these are the people who um, are successful and everybody looks at them and goes, wow, I wonder how come that person is so successful and here I am over here struggling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, getting in the flow. Mm-hmm. So th- that's a, a powerful combination, finding your truth and finding your passion. Mm-hmm. And then really you're pretty much unstoppable. Right. Well, except that we are stoppable because it's time for our final break. We're speaking with Jean Adrian about the realities of creation. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Jean, one of the things you mentioned earlier, and I made a note about these interesting glyphs that you had in your chapter. Mm. Were these taken from your cards? Yes, they were. Uh, you know, I just, uh, I felt that it was time to share some uh, of the more common ones that people really needed to be conscious of, uh, the aspects of, uh, of their DNA and the aspects of their um, expanded consciousness that they could tap into today to um, really assist them on their path. So how did, how do they work? You, they embody, I assume, some form of sacred geometry? Actually, um, probably not. Oh. Uh, they're all different. Uh, you know, some of them look like Arabic writing. Some of them look like Mayan stuff. Some of them look like old Gothic English. Um, some of them are just squiggles. Uh, you know, so I don't necessarily know that it's sacred geometry. However, they do embody frequency. Mm-hmm. And that's just basically what my guidance told me when I received this information. You know, being the hard-headed woman that I am, when I was told that I needed to draw 142 glyphs, I said, wait a minute, I don't draw. <laughs> you know, and they go, well, we just happen to know you happen to have two packs of colored pencils you've never opened and a drawing pad you've never used. So <laughs> if you want to, you can get busy and we'll show you how to do this. And um, how they work is that you use, again, your intention and your attention. And you place your attention on the uh, picture, the glyph, and you ask and intend that that aspect of consciousness and that latent strand of DNA be activated within you. And that's really all there is to it. And so you have some glyphs that are for um, consciousness, for creation. What what are some of the uh, glyphs attached to? Well, they're they're really all attached to consciousness and creation. Um, but they're just different um, aspects of... Uh, our uh, emotions that we can use, uh, of our abilities um, that we can tap into. You know, they're all different. To consciously create. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, being the amazing entrepreneur you are, and these glyphs are really so attractive, I'm just expecting a line of jewelry to come forth from you, embodying <laughs> them. You know, I actually sent... 
uh, a deck of the cards to a jeweler in Kansas City. And I suggested to him that, you know, he might want to partner with me. I haven't heard back from him yet, but who knows? It could happen. Well, it's, it is now doubly out in the universe. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> because, well, you know, um, the, uh, there's a, uh, it's not really a glyph, it's sort of my logo that um, I received in channel many, many years ago. It's a circle with a, um, an angle, it's actually a 33 degree angle mm-hmm. um, that's laying across it and then a spiral emanating out from the apex of the angle. And uh, I did actually have that cast in silver uh, by a silversmith. And, uh, you know, I wear it. I've got it around my neck right now. Uh, I wear it 24-7. Um, and every time someone graduates from my Inner Speak Practitioner training, they receive this medallion as, you know, their graduation present. And then they can choose to wear it or not, which takes us kind of back to choice, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that we can do in our life that can support us in living better, bigger, happier lives. But we do have to actually choose to do it. Getting past our inertia uh, is probably our biggest challenge. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, one of the universal laws that you know has been out on the Internet like forever um, says that energy must follow intention in order for manifestation to occur. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's really what that's talking about is choice. You know, you have to make a choice to take the first step. You've got to make a choice to buy the book and read it to open you up to more um more information that might support you on your path. We had to make a choice to write our chapters, you know, in order for the book to be created. And it just kind of goes backwards and forwards from that. Mm -hmm. And you spoke forcefully about attention and intention. Mm -hmm. So there must be another element, which is the, the energy that you put behind it. Yeah. You know, and when you use your attention and your intention, you are actually creating. Whether you put any energy behind it or not, something is happening in some reality, Mm -hmm. in some dimension. Now, the faster you see it in front of you in the physical plane, um, then that really is, you know, exacerbated by the amount of energy you put out there. Mm-hmm. So that's why I suggested, you know, sometimes it's good to sing um, the things that you want to do because that, you know, that's a, a whole different level of vibration. But absolutely, you know, I write things down. I think them first, you know, then I write them down, then I read them out loud, and I read them almost as if I were on a Broadway stage. You know, I read them with gusto, um, and then sometimes I sing them. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it's about putting as much of that energy in there as you can muster, but also it's about feeling as well of how, how will I feel once I realize that I already have whatever this is that I'm wanting to create in my life? Because, you know, if you get really specific 
with spirit about the things that you want to have, then you almost put spirit in a box and say that this and, and only this, this amount of it. An um, example of that is I've got a client that I've been working with for a while and she's really doing some incredible creation. She is a medical doctor and she's created an incredible practice that's thriving and now she's ready to go to the next level. She wants to get, uh, bring into her practice, uh, alternative medicine, in, integrative alternative medicine, I think is what the, the certification is called that she's about to receive, um, from a, a, a very well renowned university here in the United States. And in order to be able to more fully do what she wants to do, she wants to either sell her thriving practice or bring in um, an overarching managing entity, for example, a hospital, that will come in and run the practice that will enable her to have more time to do this alternative and integrative work that she's becoming passionate about. And she's probably had four contracts that have fallen through over the last year. And, um, so we started working on why would that be? And it was semantics. What was blocking her was, um, her body, her, you know, cause our body has a soul just like we do. And her body wanted financial stability. Ah, my client wanted financial freedom. Oh, and so we both, <laughs> you know, both of us, both of them sort of sound like the same thing, right? However, financial stability to her body meant let's don't let this practice sell because we've got a thriving practice that's bringing in good money every day. Uh-huh. Let's keep everything the way it is. Whereas to my client, her soul wanted the financial freedom to be able to do more than just that, you know, dealing with medical insurance and filling out forms and doing charts every evening and all that kind of stuff, but to actually get into um, uh, more alternative sorts of care. And once she and her body were able to get on the same page and realize that it was just a semantic difference, that they both really did want the same thing, then... I wouldn't be surprised. This, this actually just happened last week. I wouldn't be surprised if I don't hear from her in the next week or so saying that she's you know, closed on the sale of her practice or that a major hospital has come in and is going to do the running of the practice so that she can do what she wants to do. I wonder how many of our little problems in life are actually due to a difference of opinion between our soul's purpose and our own personal fears I would have reckoned that a goodly majority of them Mm. are, you know. And so it's really then important to do the homework to figure out what's blocking you. Exactly. Exactly. And then clear it up. And sometimes it's as easy as like rewriting that sentence. And getting clear about what it is that you truly want at the deepest level. Mm Mm-hmm. This book has a lot of wonderful how-to tips, and I really recommend it to our listeners. It's, again, called The Realities of Creation, and we have been speaking with the lovely Jean Adrian. And Jean, remind us of which website you prefer people to go to. 
Well, for me, it's jeanadrian.com. And for the book, um, Realities of Creation, we're doing a webinar that's absolutely free. You can hear all nine authors, um, and they're giving you free gifts. And it's all recorded, so you've missed a couple of them at this point, but that's not, you haven't missed anything because you can listen to the replays and get your gifts and, and tap into your, uh, to the information that they have that's above and beyond what's in the book. The book's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and your local bookstore. And I have a special gift for your listeners. I do a heart-centered support group every Tuesday night. And if your listeners go and purchase the book and on Amazon, and then go back to Amazon and write a review once they've read it. And if they will contact me off of my website and send me the link to their review, I will gift them with a free month of the Heart Centered Support Group. How lovely. Jean, thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. And thank you, listeners. I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Do visit our website at ncreview.com. Be well, be happy. Many blessings.